When the police arrive, she's badly decomposing. And even worse, her head's not attached. So Gemma was also trained in dissecting human cadavers. Right? So a few days later, they found Deborah's uh, head, about, I think it was 30, I'm trying to remember it, 35 feet away or something from where the suitcase was with, with the restaurant remains. And one of the screws is shine the torch in. We're topless because we're so hot, which is fine. It doesn't matter if he quickly sees and moves on. But he's got the torch and he's looking at my friend's breast and we can see. And she and I noticed and I thought, I thought to myself, what? And as I've like it's clicked on what's going on, she's suddenly gone shouted, Oh my god, oh my god, he's just seen me, he's just seen me, like really upset her. He started to walk up the stairs and I've just let rip. And I'm like coming my cell was right there. I was like, get in my cell now. Get in my cell now. I was like, you're gonna in, try and intimidate me. I was like, I don't care how big you are. And I was like, the last man that, that bullied me, I put a bottle over their head. Like I was going wild. I was literally going mental. Right, and she had a mullet. Like short woman with like a really orange, looked like she'd used loads of fake tan, like David Dickinson, that sort of colour skin. And she had Steve Irwin. You remember Steve Irwin, the Australian yeah, he, guy? He, he died. He had that, uh, he had, yeah. Oh, bless him. He was great. She had a haircut like that. Come over and she started saying things like, oh, oh, I've got someone in my room trapped in the suitcase because they stuck a pickaxe pick up my, and killed my uh, baby. And like, she was completely coming out with, she went up to Gemma Mitchell and started screaming in Gemma Mitchell's face, you know, the suitcase, screaming in her face. What was it? She, she was accusing her of some heinous thing. And she just did, she did the same face that she did when she got arrested. It's like that, right? When if anyone watches the video of when she gets arrested, she does that. So welcome back everybody to Corinne part two. And I'm excited to have her back, I'm not gonna lie. Um, after such a oh, brilliant you. response. I mean, how do you feel about all the good comments you were getting on part one? Do you know what? I was overwhelmed. I actually got a bit teary because like, I actually thought people would really hate me. <laughs> but people have been so nice. And then people have subscribed on my channel and it's doing really well. And like, I'm just so happy. And I also want like to get my message out there. But I did have a weird incident yesterday. Right, listen to this. Now, am I being paranoid? Like, people tell me if I'm being paranoid, right? Because I need to know. So I'm walking to my MMA classes and about seven o'clock, right? I'm just plodding along. It takes 15 minutes to walk there, right? So I get to the town, so I'm about 15, 20 minutes into my walk and a police car comes by, right? And I think nothing of it because they're always about in town. So then I start walking out of town towards where I'm going and the car appears again and it's just really it was really strange but I just thought no nah, it's not it's nothing it's nothing and then it comes around again and now I'm getting near where my train where I train now the place I train they're like not proper buildings they're like um what would you call them like metal like kind of like warehouse converted into businesses 
Like, know, a tin church. We yeah, used to yeah, like it, it, yeah. It's it's not an actual like brick building. So and it's kind of like a dead end. So there's no need unless there was a, a like a phone call of disturbance. I mean, there's no need for them to go down there. And also, they've been coming round and round way before I'd even got to that part. So then they go ahead of me, and then they go round the corner. I thought this is a bit weird. I thought are they following me, like. And then I thought, no, something must have happened, and it's just a coincidence. So I kept walking. And then they've gone round, literally, the building's here. You can go this way round, and you literally can go round. And they literally went right round it, stopped right where I was. I looked, I couldn't see them through the glass. Like, it was, it was dark. It was at night. I looked straight at them, like, and then I've just turned round, and I've walked in the gym. And I'm like, are they, is some, am I being paranoid or are they trying to make me intimidated because I'm exposing stuff? And I'm like, what, what, that's weird, isn't it? Because I wasn't doing, I've not committed any crimes. I wasn't doing anything wrong. Like, it was really strange. Sounds a bit like uh, the, the Freemasons, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. But... <laughs> no, it does sound really, it does sound quite bizarre. I don't know. We'll see if it happens again. But it's, they're not going to intimidate me, so it doesn't matter really, does it? No. They're hoping. I think. I think that they're probably missing me because I've not made any. I'm not committed any more crimes. And I used to think how boring sometimes being a police officer, especially around here. It's not that. It's not like that much going on. They used to probably love getting called to me. They're like, right, come on, guys, let's go. Like they knew that there was going to be a promotion, and now they're probably. They're, and they don't like me a lot of them, so they're probably annoyed that I've sorted my life out to be honest and also because of your newfound fame so uh, for the viewers what what is the name of your channel before we get started okay yeah it's the um true crime whisperer um and it's like an AI picture of me makes me look better than I really am (laughs) um and I've got like blue sort of uh hair in it but yeah it's the the true crime whisperer and then it's got my other links on there um and I've done somebody we're talking about on here i've done a little documentary my first episode of banged up in bronzefield is on there and by the time this one this is up there'll be the second episode of banged up in bronzefield is it is it fran we can mention her on the channel oh no so the banged up in bronzefield is like a series i'm doing so the first one was Gemma mitchell the suitcase killer the one i'm literally working on now um is joanna dennehy because I'm doing all the infamous people who have been in Bronzefield. Um, Fran's going to come on my channel for a live soon. I've done lives with Fran. I've done a story time. And um, I did one about Lucy Letby, but it wasn't in depth. It was just talking about what I think was going to happen to her. So, yeah, there's a few bits up. And by the time this is out, there'll be more. So if anyone's interested in prison or true crime, then, yeah, come and check it out. <laughs> and links for obviously the channel will be in the description box below the video so where we left off on part one you had been remanded for six weeks and actually just entered Bromsfield so what was it <laughs> yeah. like going in so do you know what right <laughs> it the craziness started before I got there because I've got so I was still on the come down because I was doing bag right before when I, when I got arrested so I'm going to come down and these Serco people, a man and a woman, the man's driving and obviously they have another person there. She goes to me, oh, do you mind loud music? And I 
didn't think for one minute what was going to happen right so i just went oh yeah i don't mind right they put me in the little metal box right for people that don't know when you're in a circle van you're literally locked in a little box and you can just fit on the seat i didn't put my seat belt on i don't know why i just i just didn't right next minute this drum and bass and there's a lot of little speaker in the little boxes it was so loud I was like, oh my God, I, I, like, I literally wanted, couldn't wait to get to prison. It was so loud, I couldn't hear anything but this drum and bass. Like, it was, I don't know what was going on. It, they were driving really fast, and then all of a sudden they've screamed and slammed the brakes on. And I've gone flying forward and smacked my face <laughs> on the metal because you're in the little box. And then, um, well, and I didn't know what had happened. And I thought, I thought, what was what's happened? Like, as I hit someone. Anyway, when we eventually got there, oh my god, and it took ages, like hours of that noise. They were like, oh yeah, a cat went out in front of us, so we had to put the brakes on. I was like, well, you could have blimmin' let me know, like let me know what had happened. And so I was like worried. Um, yeah, so that was crazy. So then I got there, and you have to go through all the gates and have to check the circo van and all that, and you go into processing. And you go in and they take your picture, they give you a prison number. It's my first time in prison. So when you get a prison number, that will stay with you if you ever go to prison again. But it was my first time, so they had to get me a prison number. They give you a little ID card, it's got your photo on, your mugshot, your prison number, like your information, date of birth and all that. So then they've put, they put you in like a holding room now this time, the first time I went in, it wasn't that crazy. The, the, I'll tell you another time. Second time I went into prison, then they put me in that holding room. It was a whole other story. Absolutely nuts. So, um, well, I waited in there, and there was another lady, and she had, like, two big black eyes, um, a Polish lady. She was really nice. She was really crying. The fact that the nurse actually gave her a diazepam because she was so stressed. Um, so... They then took us on to the induction wing, which was A wing. Um, and I, they put me in a cell, right? Now, my first time in prison, I didn't think check the toilet. I didn't think check, like, the TV's working. I didn't think any of that. I just, you know, it was a bit of a shock. And by now it was dark and everyone was locked in and it was, the whole induction wing was silent. So I didn't want to kick off. Like, it's your first time in there. It's a bit intimidating. I went to use the toilet because I've been in this circo van thing for hours, right? Um, and as I've gone to go to the toilet and I've lifted because you've got like a little lid thing that you put on it, it was full of fecal matter <laughs> and it was blocked and there was tissue all shoved in it. So obviously, I rang my buzzer and they're like, What? I'm like, Look at my toilet. And she was like, well, Sorry, there's nothing I can do about it now. And I'm like, what? I was like, I need a wee. I don't want to sit on that toilet. It's filthy. So in the end, I had to, like, hover. <laughs> and I was stuck in there for, and then, they because on the induction as well, because COVID was just getting over COVID and that, you'd be locked in for 23 hours a day. And I was stuck in that cell for at least two days. Yeah. Were you in and the I'd, cell on your own? Yeah, at this point. And then... A double cell came um, up, and then the lady that I come in with, the Polish lady, who's really like stressed. We said, "Look, can we go in the double together?" Because 
I hate being on my own. Like I'm alright at home and that, but like in there with nothing to do, my ADHD, my mind, I can't. I like to be around someone. And she was really upset and nervous and needed someone to talk to. So it was it was a great match to go in together. So they put us in together, and I'm so grateful because I 23 hours a day with no no contact except for them bringing you your food is it horrible. And I know I was in prison and deserved it and that, but it makes your mental health so much worse. Um, and my poor woman I was with, she couldn't even eat. She was that light stressed. And they were like, well, if you don't eat, we're going to take to healthcare, which I don't think they would have because they wouldn't have had space. But I think that they were saying it, try and make it eat. So she used to like take the food, pretend to eat it and like hide it and put it in the bin. So, yeah. Um, I've got a question on her then. Can you talk about what she was in for? Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not going to mention her name. Basically, her partner was abusive, and he'd punched her in the in the face, and she'd like her nose. I don't know if she'd broken it, but it didn't look right, and she had these two big black eyes. And what had happened is, I don't know the exact details, but what she told me was, was she got a kitchen knife. A little, it's not a massive one, like a small one that she chopped vegetables with. But she used to cook a lot, so her knives were really sharp. And she's gone like that to get him away from her. And it's slightly sliced um, his liver. But he had like a little operation, and he, but he, he was all right. But obviously she got arrested. Luckily... Her family could afford um, a good solicitor if she wouldn't, and so she ends up getting out on bail because if she'd got legal aid, she wouldn't have, she would not have got out because there was another Polish lady in there who's lovely who I had as a cellmate, and um, she was in for an almost identical situation, and she didn't have her own solicitor. She had legal aid, and she was in there on remand for over a year. So it goes to show how different it can be if you've got money to get out yeah have you got any questions before we move on uh yeah what were the other inmates like at that time because you're only remanded in there for six weeks this time right yeah so i got six weeks for the breaking the injunction which i explained about before how you like duped me into going round and then attacked me and then I got the blame so anyway so I got six weeks for that but then I was held on remand because I'd um knocked the police officer out which I do, I do feel bad for because she didn't deserve that I, I don't feel bad about him though he I'm sorry and I said that of course well I'm not gonna lie like it is what it is um, when you get abused and abused and abused and you've already got severe mental health problems and you've got nothing left to lose, you're going to end up exploding in the end and that's what happened, unfortunately. So, yeah, I got kept on remand and then I, when I did go to court, it was Friday the 13th and everyone was going, oh, wear your, wear your rose, rosary, like, it's Friday the 13th, you're screwed, you're going to get loads, you're going to get loads of time, and I was thinking, oh, God, but then the judge, I had a really nice judge, and, like, she shouldn't have really been leaning on me, because then I ended up going out and doing something again, but she gave me another chance, because of, she had my history from childhood all the way up, and, I promised her, and when I met, when I said it, I meant it. I said, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to do anything else wrong. 
obviously I did end up doing something again but that's later on in the story so obviously before I went to court I was in there for six weeks um and after you've been on a wing for two weeks make sure you haven't got any covid they then put you on to either d wing b wing or c wing and i went on c wing and i got put in a cell and my next door neighbor was Gemma mitchell who the news don't call her the suitcase killer but in between us like we used to that's what we'd call her yeah and for the viewers can we talk about her crimes please yeah so wow um i'll try I, let me think right so she was extremely intelligent um Gemma mitchell was uh osteopath she got first honors um i've got more detail about it uh, on my channel i'm gonna try and remember it as best as i can um so she moved to australia she was born in australia she was an osteopath so but then her mum and her dad separated. So her mum, sister and her moved to England in Wembley. Um, she then went back to Australia to work as uh, osteopath, but then came back later on. And then um, she, were, she would go to church and she met a lady called Deborah Chong. And Deborah was um, from Malaysia, but had lived in England for 30 years. She'd um, got paranoid schizophrenia and her, part, and her husband had died. So she was on her own. She was quite a vulnerable lady. Um, and from what people have said, she was very kind natured. But she'd have delusions and she thought she was in a secret relationship with Prince Charles and Boris Johnson. So she wasn't well. So Gemma had a four million pound house. But it was the problem was she was a massive hoarder and um the roof of our house was all like dilapidated and so they paid 200 i think it was 250 right not may, might not exactly be the right amount but 250,000 or 230,000 one of the two for contractors to come and fix house and they basically done done them over they took the money and didn't do the house so Gemma but Gemma had 90 I think it was 93,000 pound in her bank as well so she could have sold the property and she could have moved to a smaller one and had a nice happy life but she's greedy and she's obviously like got a psychopath so what she's done is she's got involved with Deborah and meeting at the church befriended her and she's convinced deborah to lend her um two hundred thousand pounds to fix the house deborah's then come round to her Gemma's house and seen the, like the disarray the, the absolute disaster of the place and she's sent Gemma a message saying i'm really sorry i can't you're stressing me out with the, the whole situation i need you to only contact me once you've like put the house on the market because I can't I can't help you anymore basically something along them lines so Gemma's not happy about this really like this is really wound Gemma up she wanted that money for a house and she's greedy so Gemma takes a suitcase empty blue suitcase and on my channel I've got all the video of everything and 
so if you want to like see it in more detail then it's on there now i'm not trying to promote myself but it's hard to explain no, do it without it. having it all in front of me um <laughs> So you see Gemma on the CCTV walking with the suitcase and then she goes to Deborah's house and I think it was roughly two hours later she was seen carrying a heavy suitcase and a smaller black suitcase and she was struggling with it, right? Um, then, I've oh got this, I don't want to get it all confused, it's, it's quite a complicated story. So then um, I think a week or two go by and she gets, that was it. When she was at Deborah's house, she stole her dead neighbor's um, information. Right? She's so sneaky. She's, yeah, so she's got his information. So she's used his phone, I think it was his phone, to, to order a, and his details to order a hire car. The man that's deceased, right? She's ordered the hire car. She put the suitcase in the hire car and she's drove all the way from Wembley to Devon. She's then dumped Deborah, Deborah's remains in an alley, and on my channel you got you can hear the nine 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 call of when the person rings in because they thought holiday might make us sadly found her. When the police arrive, she's badly decomposing, and even worse, her head's not attached. So Gemma was also trained in dissecting human cadavers right so a few days later they found deborah's uh head about i think it was third trying to remember it, 35 feet away or something from where the suitcase was with, with the restaurant remains it's so sad so sick how evil like i know i've done things wrong but that's just pure evil over money so then Gemma starts forging um deborah chong's will leaving it all to her except for like five percent or something to to her to Gemma's mum Gemma's mum's not part of this she didn't know what was going on how she's she gonna get away with this i don't know anyway so the police found it um and that's another thing so when sorry i missed a bit so when deborah went missing she had like i think she had like a, a house mate or something or something along the lines of that. Um, he rang Gemma and said, "Where's have you seen Deborah? She's left her belongings here and she's not come home and that's not like her. And Gemma said, oh, yeah, she was feeling depressed. She's gone to stay with family near the sea, near the seaside. When the police got hold of Gemma, she told them the same story. Anyway, she became number one suspect and that's when they started compiling all their evidence. On the way to Devon, her car breaks down. The hire car breaks down and she's got the body in the boot, right? So the, so the car stinks of obviously decomposing person. Um, so then she has to get call someone out, like a, a, I'm guessing an AA or something. So she's it's pissing with rain, right? Absolute horrible weather, and she's got all the doors of the car open. And in the interview, which is also on my channel. You hear him saying to her, why was your doors open in the rain, Gemma? Like, is it because your car stunk of um, decomposing body, Gemma? And she just keeps saying, no comment, no comment. Like, it's really interesting to watch it all. Um, absolutely horrific. And she has, 
oh, I'll get into that in a minute. Sorry, I'll get carried away with it. Um, so where do I get to? So yes, so they put her door in in the middle of the night. I've also got that footage. They arrest her, and she's she's so matter of fa a fact. Like, if someone knocked on my door and said you're being arrested for murder, I'd be like, what the bloody hell are you talking about? She was like, oh, okay. Um, can I get my shoes on? Like, <laughs> what? It's it's bizarre to watch the whole thing. is bizarre. And when you've been in there, when when I describe what she was like as well, she's she's a very strange person. So um. She's been arrested, she's on remand, and then I move on to Sea Wing, and that's how I meet Gemma Mitchell. And obviously I had no idea at this point what she'd done. None of it had been out in the news. There was rumours. Now, people would bully Gemma. So when people were telling me that she'd cut someone's head off and put them in a suitcase, because I think that a report had come out about it, but it wasn't like all over like it did once i got out of prison and the court case had, had finished then it was everywhere that all the details came out but because the court case was still going on there wasn't that much so when the girls said this right i thought hey is it true or are they saying it because i don't like her like i couldn't work it out and i don't like bullying or i hate people being bullied so i kind of i was nice to her and now i feel bad like that i was nice to her because of what she's done like I'd help her out, like I'd give her my, she, she was always hung, but right. So she was a massive hoarder on the outside. And in prison, me and the other girls noticed that she'd hoard food. Like she'd constantly be asking people, oh, if you've got biscuits, if you've got fruit. And it, people used to get angry with her because she'd just go on and on. So the girls behind the servery weren't a fan of her. So if she asked for anything out extra, they'd tell her to, f off so she'd come and ask me if i could go and get it for her and i would i would get a, like an extra milk or an extra pack of biscuits because i just felt bad um and then so go on before you found out her crimes what was your first impression of her never ever would have guessed never she she was like she'd speak like she was really well spoken like oh i guess i lived with my mother like she was she was her demeanor was so calm it was almost well psychist i suppose but psychopaths are normally quite charming she wasn't yeah. she was like it was like she had no emotion there was no emotion there the only emotion people ever saw was when so some people used to go to classes and like do like English or whatever. And I think she'd gone, she'd started doing it because she was bored. She didn't have any friends. And someone was tapping a pencil like on the desk. And she, and the only time that she, her character slipped was then as she's turned around and going, shut up. And everyone was like shocked because normally she'd see. So people, I wasn't there. This is what I got told, but I know the person that told me didn't talk like rubbish. So. I have no reason to not believe it happened. So, like, it's like her mask slipped for a minute. I don't know if her, um, she's a bit more horrible now because she, maybe she didn't want to be because she was on trial. I don't know because I haven't been in there since she was found guilty. I'd come out by this by that point. Um, is there anything you want to ask before I carry on? So, during your time in Bromshill, that time, was there mm. anyone else in there? Prolific. 
Okay, so there was not, no, I wouldn't say prolific. There was a girl that had got 17 years because she broke a man's neck, but she's Sorry. not like well known. She broke a man's neck. Was it a partner of a partner, uh, ex partner? So from the story that I heard from her version of events, because I couldn't, I forgot her surname. So when I got out, I couldn't look it up. Um, I think this guy owned like a hotel, but it was kind of like run down, and he was letting her stay there for favors. Um, no, sorry, he was letting her stay there, but he was expecting favors, and when he tried to um she freaked out because she was on drugs and she stamped on his head and it broke his neck yeah that's what she told me anyway that was what she said happened she's got 17 years um so it wasn't till the next time i come in that i met uh quite a lot of girls that have been given long sentences since i got out yeah we'll get to that so you were released after six weeks. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how. You don't know how. Like, talk us through your release. Um, so, yeah, I got out. And do you know what? I was only in there six weeks, but still, everything seems so weird when you come out because you're just used to this little cage of the bit outside and you, it's just the noise and everything. It's just so weird coming out. It's like I lived in the, the town that I lived in my whole life, but when I come back... It was like, it just looked different. Just for a few days, it just looked different. Um, I did move house in the end, but because um, I got in trouble because of my door getting kicked in and my neighbours complaining. So I did end up having to move. But I'm still in the same town, just, just in a different area of it. And when you were released then, where did you go? I went back to the house because this is before I lost it. It was the second time I went in that I got told, like, that's it. And how long was it till you got up to no good again? <sighs> Nine days. <laughs> Nine, Nine days. Nine days. And, yeah, and, and I, I, I do have a lot of regrets. And I do, I do, I know I talk about, talk about that, but I do feel bad because I got in a bar fight, which... I think what what I got told by my friend was I was falling asleep because I was drunk. I don't know why he kept serving me. If he could see that I was getting more and more into a like drunken stupor, so I'm falling asleep and he's come and like woke like gone like that to wake me like come on you've got to leave. And I've I don't know if it's trauma. I don't know what what caused it, but I've turned around and just smacked him. And then obviously like he's like get out, and then I'm getting angry, and then the police turn up, and then. <laughs> And then someone said to my mate, she's outside fighting with the police. So my friends come running out and they got me on the floor. And then I've wrapped my legs around the bloke, the police officer's legs, and I've yanked him with my own legs. So he's hit the floor. So I'm wrestling with two of them. In the end, I got pepper sprayed. I always got pepper sprayed. But that just made me more angry for some reason. So I'll just carry on, but blindly. But um, they managed to get me in the van in the end. Um, and then, obviously, I was straight back. I was straight back to Bronzefield. But I didn't care. I walked in. So when I walked in the next time, so, like, do you want me to go on to that bit? Yeah, 
Okay, so obviously I've gone straight back. I didn't, I wasn't really bothered because at this point, you've got to remember, I had nothing really. Like my kids, I weren't allowed to see my children. Like everything had gone. My house was destroyed. So I really didn't care because I was also, I knew I was going to get food. I knew a lot of my, I was away from alcohol, away from my horrible ex, and I was being made to take my medication on time. Like, it couldn't force me, but they're, they're giving me a structure that I didn't have because I was not able to organise my life because of the chaos that was going on. So, anyway, so I've gone back in and I've walked into the, so I've been processed, took photo, all that lot. Um, sent me in um to this holding room they've got these big blue plastic sofas you can't move them that's why they're like that's why they they're like Ugh. that's why they are the way they are so there's a lady sitting there and um she won't mind me saying her name uh, her name's nikki and there was another lady there and um so i've walked in and i'm like i can't remember what has something in my arms that was it they give you a bat like a big net bag with like plastic plate and socks and stuff like that so i walked in with that and i'm like you're right and she went why are you so happy and i was like well i just don't know i'll just back see me mates like because i've made quite a few friends that didn't bother me which is terrible but prison was actually better than being outside for me at that point now well, i'd be devastated if i got taken back because I've got I've got like things to lose. I had nothing to lose then, so that really helped me. Because I saw some women they were really struggling. They were really struggling because they've been taken away from a good life, or like you know they had something going on that they were missing. But anyway, I I digress. I always do that. Um, so they put me in this room and. Me and Nikki were talking to this other lady, and mid-sentence, she would just go. And we were like, because we thought she was joking at first, so we kind of giggled. And then she'd just go back to normal and carry on talking. It was bizarre. So I, we didn't say it to her because it's mean, but between us, we nicknamed her Antifreeze. <laughs> we never said it to anyone else right i know it's mean but it you're was a terrible just, person i am but you know it was just it was me and Nick, we, we had to kind of like make a little joke for situations we didn't say it to anyone else and we never said it to her because we, we i like i don't like bullying but yeah that is what we said between ourselves but um so then they've put another lady in with us this just gets crazy, right? So we keep in mind this whole thing spans over four hours. We were locked in here, right? We put another lady in, and this lady really like almost shaved uh, red hair, like ginger hair, really slim, looked really mentally unwell, pacing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, looking out the window, sitting down, curling up in a ball, like obviously not well. So me and Nikki were like, we were just like kind of trying to have a conversation between ourselves, and then the other lady was kind of half joining in and then like it was, it was weird it was a weird situation and then this girl the girl with the short red hair has come up to me and she's lifted her top up and she's gone scratch my back right and I've looked at Nikki and I'm like and I'm like no I'm not scratching your back like so 
we kind of like had like giggled like what <laughs> what's going on like, this is what is going on so then they then put someone else in <laughs> it just gets worse and worse so this poor lady though i do feel sorry for these people because they shouldn't be in prison they should be getting mental health help prison helped me with my mental health because mine was bad but theirs is so severe they need to be like sectioned and they're not they're put in prison so this lady come in she's really large lady really smelt of urine her hair was all matted and when you go in they'll give you like a little microwaveable meal like it's horrible but you're hungry you can eat it so she sits there the other girls going back and forth pacing still like saying weird things mumbling to herself the other i was going to say antifreeze but that's mean the other lady would, would just keep doing this weird thing like with um, me and nikki were like what like this is really like crazy and um so she this lady the big lady sat down and started like scoff like eating like she'd never eaten before and as she's doing it she's shouting and all the food's coming out of her mouth and she's going once i check it i hope you're enjoying the podcast i've got some exciting news to announce michael francis is coming back to tour the uk in 2024 the remade man the Michael Francis story. Michael Francis, once named one of the 50 most significant mob bosses in the USA by Fortune magazine, and a former member of the notorious Colombo crime family, will take you deep into the world of organized crime, sharing captivating tales and insights into the Mafia's past, present, and future. Join us for an unforgettable evening with Michael Francis, the original Goodfella, as he exclusively sits down with myself sean atwood with me as the host there's going to be a no holes barred exploration of michael francis's life including his numerous arrests and jury trials that ultimately led to his pleading guilty to a federal racketeering charge a 10-year prison sentence and 15 million dollars in restitution you will have the unique opportunity to ask questions during an audience q a session making this event a must-see for true crime enthusiasts and anyone curious about the underworld. Don't miss this explosive in-conversation with Michael Francis. Live on stage in the UK, this exclusive in-person event will be held in various locations in the UK, Ireland and Scotland. Link in the description box below this video if you want to grab yourself a ticket. Back to the podcast. Cheers. On a football field. <laughs> Then the big lady and the little lady with the red hair start having a conversation with each other, but they're not even, it's not even making sense. It's like they're talking their own language. One of them was saying something and the other one was answering, but, but it was, it didn't make sense to the question. Like it was, it went back and forth for, for ages. I mean, Nikki were kind of just looking at each other, like trying to take it all in, like, because before when I'd come in, it was totally different. This time was just like intense. So then they put somebody else in. Um, it was a trans um, uh, man, so female to male, but couldn't tell. Um, anyway, so he sat he sat down and he he was uh, an addict. And um, when you go in and you get your netted bag, they give you vapes. But I'd been given my netted bag, but I haven't been given my vapes yet. And he started going asking everyone over and over again you've got a vape you've got a vape and I was like no I haven't I have never had I wouldn't give it to you because he had white froth all around his mouth and he's spitting all over the place 
and me and Nikki like looked at each other like how long are we going to be stuck in here this is absolutely crazy and then one of the screws has opened the door because we've been in here hours at this point like three hours she's opened the door she's looked at me and Nikki and she's gone I'm really sorry we won't be long and shut the door again we was in there at least another hour oh so when you go in as well they do a drugs test like a urine test mine showed up with a little bit of cocaine and nikki's had like um alcohol and we were like where are we going like where what block are you putting us on and they said they're putting us on the ones and we just looked at each other like oh. so the ones you got the ones the twos the threes and the fours is a privilege ring wing and the fives is rolls, but it wasn't being used because of the COVID situation. The ones is where all the, now I've been an addict, so I am not having to deal with anyone. They put all the addicts on there and a lot of them, not all of them, but there's a lot of stealing, a lot of fights. And that is where that story I told you about, um, a lady had smuggled a pipe should we, should we tell uh talk about this story we were talking about obviously prior to the podcast for the viewers mm. i asked you before we started filming um how people sneak stuff in is it in their front bum or their back package back package passage and you're explaining that they could get yeah i'll let you take it from here uh well yeah um normally in women's prison it would be the front packet like the front part that people put packages in but there are actually biological men in women's prison so i'm guessing that if they were smuggling something in they'd use the other end but i i only ever knew of the people that did it in their front um and there was a story that i didn't see this but it, apparently it happened before i'd come in a girl had come in she told her cellmate that she'd had a stash up there of a pipe and um white and um apparently oh, i can't remember it was two or three girls pinned the girl down and they removed it themselves um which is just horrendous um so the and on the ones as well the noise was like intense like continuous day and night banging screaming it was like a whole different world compared to the other blocks it was me and my mates because you know broadmoor is like for the mentally insane yeah. me and my mates would call it bronzemore instead of bronzefield we'd call the ones bronzemore because it was so mental it was just crazy and there'd be people stealing people being sneaky me and my friend walked on there and a girl from out of nowhere's appeared and she's going to my that's a nice ring that's a really nice ring that is and she goes, oh, yeah, it's platinum. It, my husband got it for our wedding. And I nudged her. I was like, what are you? Why would you? I was like, you've got to take that off. I was like, you've got to take it off. Because she goes, well, we're not going to be on here long. I said, yeah, but word can get to other blocks, you know, and you're going to have to hide it. They'll have that straight away. Platinum. Why would you say that? But she, she was a lot older. She was in her 60s. But we got on really well. Anyway, so we were stuck on the ones... And then at night, I, because I've got PTSD, I have really bad nightmares and I will scream in my sleep. And my cellmate used to have to wake me up because I punched the wall in my sleep and everything. Like, it's got a lot better now. But after all the.
it was really because I did I dream I was being attacked and it was yeah horrible so I would scream my sleep and she'd have to wake me up um but on top of that we would get woken up because people were drawing and they hadn't been given their methadone and they'd be throwing up all night and laughing and they were screaming like help help and the screws were like we can't do anything to the morning and it would go on like all all night and it was just it was really sad so anyway after a few days there's a nice polish um screw and she was like we were like look i had a little bit of in my system and she's had alcohol we don't need to be on here we're not withdrawing from anything we're not dependent on anything please she's she moved us onto the twos and that's when we went on to b wing and that's that was the crazy wing <laughs> so so what is the twos compared to the ones is there less um drugs yeah it's so much better it's so much better you get like um you get fights and it's loud but it's just not it's nowhere near as bad it's just like so much better like we were so relieved to be on there you still got obviously worries you still got like fights could happen at any moment you still got bullies you still got all that but it's less noise like where I've got ADHD as well I'm like hypersensitive like I have uh, problems with feeling of my clothes like I struggle to sleep. I have really bad insomnia and when I do fall asleep I have nightmares and then I can't when there's so much noise around me I can't cope like it causes me to like oh I just can't cope with the, the loudness so it, it was really hard for me to be on the ones and I can't imagine being on there for a long period of time Anyway, so we got moved over to the twos. Um, is anything you want to ask me before I ramble? <laughs> I'm excited to hear about the twos now. So, yeah, the twos is much more quiet. Ugh, I've got a hair in my mouth. Brilliant. <laughs> I, bet the vi- <laughs> I bet the viewers just love your brutal honesty. Honestly, I was so, mm-hmm. when I found out I was doing part two of you, I was really excited. Your energy oh, is, really? honestly, it's off the chain. I love it. I'm sat here. I feel like I'm having a real story time, and that's I'm like sitting back. Oh, thank you. Really enjoying it, honestly. No, I'm really excited to come. I was really excited to come back on as well. I really appreciate everything you've done for me as well. I really do. Always, honestly, Um, the pleasure pleasure is all ours. So, right. So, got onto the twos. Um, They moved just. So first, when we went on to the twos, they put us on A-wing. We got literally started to unpack up, and they're like, actually, no, you're going on D-wing. We started to walk over, and then um, Cass, one of the guards, he goes, no, you've got to go on um, you got to go on B-wing. So we went on to B-wing, and that's where we ended up staying. So me and Nikki were like, right, we were, we were going together. So that luckily, they put us in together, because we'd been together on the ones. So we were kind of like keeping each other going sort of thing. Um she was really struggling with being in there. She was really quite distressed, which I had seen quite a lot. Like women that have been in there while they accept, they kind of accept their fate. But when women first go in there, a lot, a lot of them really struggle. So, like, I'd talk and that, and she'd say, like, I'm so glad that I'm in with you. Like, I don't know what I'd do if I'd been put in here and, like, and I'd gone in a cell on my own. Um, so we'd have a laugh and that, like, she'd ring her partner on the phone and we'd do stupid like voices and stuff down the phone to him like we're trying like because you've got to try and make the best of what you've got in there because it's not like you have a laugh and a joke but you just could only because you're trying to block out what's really going on um anyway so we start getting settled in there and we meet a few other people um and there was another girl 
that's unfortunately still I've got hold of her partner and she's still in there so I'm I'm going to write to her we become really really close friends and later on when Nikki had left she then become my cellmate um and she was just as crazy as me so we were like bouncing off the wall when we were in the cell together so yeah it was really hot so it was that summer you know the summer when it was 40 degree heat in London right no air conditioning vents are blocked up with dust loads of women in like one in the inner wing so you got all this heat we were above the laundry room so at this point nikki had gone i'm skipping ahead but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what i'm saying so nikki got this point me and Paige. me she won't mind me saying no me and Paige were together in the room um and then so it got so hot at night when the guards would come around to give us meds and they would open the cell door even the they were like oh because the heat would hit them so you can imagine because it's hot on the wing so you can only imagine how hot it has to be in the cell for them to be like whoa that's hot like we were dripping it's the only one of the only the only times i cried in prison is when it was my kids birthdays and then this one time when i felt like i was suffocating because we would literally have just knickers on, we'd be completely topless. We were absolutely baking. Sweat would just be pouring off of us. You'd feel suffocate. You know when you get in a hot car, this is the only way I can describe it. You know when you get in a hot car and it's it's been the sun's been on the car and you get in and you're like, oh, and you feel like you need you, you know, you can't you feel like stuck, like you can't breathe properly. It's like that, but you can't get out. And they'll tell us this is this was their answer get a wet towel that doesn't really help and the fan and i know people are going to ask this we did have a fan but all this little fan did was blow hot air around the room it didn't do anything and the plug was so far away from the bed it just it was absolutely useless so oh it was it was it was really bad um so this is the thing, though. The, some of the guards were really out of order. I call them guards, screws. You know what I'm saying? So at night, obviously, they have to come and open the hatch and shine the torch in. Fair enough. But one night, me and Paige were asleep. And for some reason, I think we were up quite late that time. And we were kind of like just going to sleep. And one of the screws just shined the torch in. We're topless because we're so hot, which is fine. It doesn't matter if he quickly sees and moves on he's got the torch and he's on looking at my friend's breast and we can see and she and i noticed and i thought i thought to myself what and as i've like it's clicked on what's going on she's suddenly gone shouted oh my god oh my god he's just seen me he's just seen me like really upset her so after that we had to face the other way so because it wasn't the first it happened other times other other screws done it as well not all of them but there was two in particular that used to do this and we had no choice but to just be in our knickers. We were literally baking. So we faced the other way. So when they shined the torch in, they couldn't see our, our chest. Do you know what I mean? That's the only thing we could think of doing. So this, we knew at nine o'clock they were coming around to give us some medication. So they come around and there was a, a female screw and a male. And we are suffering. I know we're in prison, but it, it was inhumane. We were literally, people were having seizures. People were getting rushed to the hospital because of the heat it was that bad um so they've come to give us some medication they've opened the door 
and then they've looked at me and my friend they, my friend's sitting on the on the bottom bunk and then and i've come to the door to get my medication we've obviously put a t-shirt on we've got t-shirt and knickers because we knew nine o'clock they were coming we could hear the footsteps we chucked top on and she's looked she's looked at uh, me and my friend and gone you two look hot and flustered what have you been up to and, and i'm thinking we're suffering and you're making a joke out of it an inappropriate joke out of it like it's just unnecessary isn't it so it wasn't just them and there was another time so one of my friends i'm not going to mention she had adhd as well so we we both had to have um, an ECG where they put the things on. And um, with mine and a few of the other girls that have had to have it, they put it like here, here, and here. But this, but my friend was made to strip completely naked except for knickers, and she was putting them all on her legs, saying she needed to put it all on her legs. But that's not what you need. They need to do. And she told me she said that she's had them done before and that's not happened and we were discussing between ourselves and we were like when we had it from the same nurse they never did it to us she never did it to us so that was weird i don't know it was just but it was just weird i don't i i'm it didn't make any sense so there was stuff that was inappropriate and there was girls that had been doing things with um screws to and they'd bring them things in i wasn't there just when when I come in the second time, I think the girls I heard the girls talking about that one one of the screws had been sacked because he'd been seeing one of the girls and another and then he started seeing another girl and that one got jealous and grasped on him. So I mean, it all come out. You hear of all sorts like that. Re more recently I heard that a screw got a woman pregnant in there. Yeah, one of the inmates I, pregnant. No, was it's that crazy. In no, no, it was, I think it might have been Send. Um, I had a, a podcast oh, guest on who was talking about, about it. And so I, I was, how do they even think they're going to get away with it? It's, it's bad and for Some them. of the women are vulnerable. Some of them aren't. Some of them are crafty and they know what they're doing. Because one of the girls I was in there with, she was like, I'm going to get some fags. I was like, how, like, how are you going to get them? Because Bronzeville's maximum security. It's very hard to smuggle things in. Um, and she goes, when the screw, I'm going to pretend to cry. And when I get that screw to come in here, which is a male, because he was new, this is why people don't stay long, because because the girls are very manipulative. She said, when he, when he comes in to see if I'm okay, I'm going to keep him talking for a few minutes, five minutes or whatever. And then I'm going to say to him, if you don't bring me cigarettes, they've seen on the cameras, you walk in my cell, I'm going to say I was... Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? So she was going. She said, "That's what I don't know. That's what she did." Um, I think she actually no. She got moved onto the privilege wing. So I don't know if she did it over there. I didn't see her actually. Do it, but that's what she told me she was going to do. So that's the sort of things that girls do do in there. I couldn't have the heart to do that. That that I, I couldn't do it. Like it's not worth causing someone emotional distress over a pack of bags. It's not. Like, I know I've done things wrong. I'm no angel, but mine was more fueled, not planned. Mine was more fueled by despair and addiction and mental health all mixed together. Like I wouldn't deliberately plan to do something spiteful like that. But um, is there anything you want to ask? Because I kind of just go from one thing to another. No, no, I love it. Um, and it is all in, in peace and 
at this present moment, but I wanted to hear your most crazy stories on that stint. Okay, so there was this guy, and I'm going to say his name because I've done a podcast with Fran about it because she was in there with him too, and she had similar incident with him. Okay, so there's a trans guy called TJ, female to male. You'd see TJ on the street, you would never know in a million years that TJ used to be female. Had been on testosterone, been in the gym, looked like a man, wants to be a man, caught up, he is a man, right, in my eyes. That, he, that's what he wants to be. So we are, we even though we didn't like him, we all respected that um, that he was, you know, he wanted to be a man, so we called him man. When I first got onto B Wing with Nikki, when we got in there, our TV wasn't working, and we were getting. I shouted at one of the screws because they, I lost my, I lost my, <laughs> I thought I'd lost my little card thing, right? Because they'd moved us, like I said earlier, like they'd moved us from one thing to another, and I was, we were getting really stressed out. I. I can't too when too much pressure's on me, I end up having like a meltdown. Like I can't cope with it. Like earlier, something happened, some idiots in the park, something to do with their not controlling their dog and all stress. I got overwhelmed and I got overwhelmed about something else. And then I've come in and I'm like, and like just had like a meltdown. Like not I don't do anything horrible, but I like it takes me ages to calm down from it. And I get sometimes I get so overwhelmed I'll like burst into tears from frustration. So anyway, I'm in we're going we get moved from one place to another. I get more and more frustrated. They've then got us, they've said we've got because our menu for our food was over on block one. So they've just put us in the cell with all our stuff there. We're trying to unpack it. And now they're like, oh, you can't get your food from over here. You've then got to go back to the ones, get it and bring it all the way back. So in this process, I've put my my little ID card, which you have to have to go anywhere in the, in the prison. I don't know where I put it. I can't find it. I've stuffed everything into this net bag. So I'm trying to go for it all. On the ones, right? If you're not there to collect your food, someone else is going to eat it for you. So I'm getting stressed out. I can't find my card. So I've shouted because the screw's having to go at me. And I'm like, I was like, it's your bloody fault because you've moved us from one place to another. And now I can't find my card. And then I went to the toilet. <laughs> and my card was in the back of my trousers waistband <laughs> all that time. <laughs> And I was getting stressed out. It was, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. I found it. Anyway, so that all calmed down. Our TV wasn't working, though. TJ seems such so nice. He's coming. He's like, oh, you're right. I'm TJ. And he's like, oh, is your TV all right? And we're like, actually, no, it's not. And he's like, I'll oh, fix it. So he sorted it out for us. And we're like, oh, thanks so much. And Joe, you know for a while, me and TJ got on really well. Like, we'd do stupid things. Like, I had no idea what he was in there for either at this point. So we'd do stupid things. He was like, I dare you to run straight into that wall and not stop. And I was like, I'll do it if you do it. And I was, he was like, I'll do it. And I was like, are you sure you're going to do it? And, like, we both would both run and like just be stupid like mess about so we just run straight into this wall and he did it I did it It was funny we laughed we'd talk about things because I had a close I've got a close family member that um is identifying as the opposite sex so we would have conversations like that got on really well then I started to notice that he tried to control the whole wing like he would push in in the server he'd go behind the server and take stuff that wasn't his he'd boss people about like he was 
like trying to just throwing his weight around like he was the king of the wing. In fact, and the and the, the screws for some reason they let him get away with so much. They'd let him do things that we wouldn't even like it was strange, it was weird. It's almost like he had something on them. And he'd do things like this. So this is what started to really wind me up. When you identify as the opposite gender, you get to come out before everyone else for a shower. And that is absolutely that's brilliant. That's that should be allowed, you know that they want a bit of privacy, they're not comfortable with the way they are at the moment, they should get the shower. But what he used to do is he would deliberately, he'd get, we would, we would see him, because our cell was opposite the showers, he'd get in the shower, he'd do all his stuff, he'd get his clothes on, and then he'd go into the, there's another bit with the bath, and he'd go in there and he'd just stand in there for ages, knowing that none of us could be unlocked. None of us could be unlocked. He, he did, 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 he'd do things to irritate people for no reason. Um, once Nikki said to him, oh my, because he'd get, we all got them oven chips that were soggy. He'd come back with fried chips. Like, what's going on? So my mate was nowhere near him and she went, oh my God, you got fried chips. And he went, don't come near my food. I'm really particular about it. She was nowhere near it. It's just like, I don't know. He was, he just started to really grate on everyone. Everyone was getting annoyed with him. And the more he demanded the more the screws were given in the more we were getting annoyed so then he had this girlfriend well a girl that he was seeing and her name was Verdi Coody and she was the one who left her baby in the Brighton flat and went out clubbing for six days and they come back oh and found I, I remember that sorry, story that... Said, oh yeah so I should have said the trigger warning so she went out clubbing left her baby for, and it wasn't the first time she did it she used to leave the baby and go, but this was the longest time she'd done it. And the baby had a, 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 like a flu sort of thing. So she, oh, I can't even bear to think. I think the baby was about 18 months old. I can't remember exactly. She left the baby there and went out clubbing for six days. And they had video footage of her, um, once someone on a microphone saying, happy birthday to you. And she was all like this, like in her baby's at home. When they found the baby, it had maggots in its nappy. That is next level. I don't know. I can't even comprehend it, right? And someone shot someone commented on one of my videos about when I said about Lucy Letby. They went, it, it never astounds me how people who've been in prison think that they can um, comment on other prisoners. And I'm like, well, actually, I can because I've lived with evil and I'm not a child you might have to bleep some of these words out sorry i'm not i don't i'm not a child hey we hope you're enjoying the podcast it's a word from our sponsor shady rays and it is the season of giving get the perfect gift for that special somebody yourself or both our friends at shady rays have you covered with premium polarized shades and quick swap snow goggles that won't break the bank shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers an unrivaled product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and world-class optics for all outdoor adventures. And Jen's blonde locks aren't getting tangled. In the tangle-free nose piece, so I can put it up in my hair like this. <laughs> no catching. With an extensive array of styles and colours, you're bound to find the perfect pair of Shady Rays sunglasses. And if you're into winter sports, their quick-swap snow lenses move effortlessly between full sun to low-light environments. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost or broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, 
They will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out a very merry deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SHAUN for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over a quarter million people. That's ShadyRays.com, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, for 50% off or two more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Link in the description box if you're watching this on YouTube. Thanks for supporting our sponsor. Back to the podcast. Cheers. And I have the right to comment on whoever I want, same as you now have the right to comment on me, which you're doing. It's called free speech. Like, what a, what a stupid thing to say. Like, I can't comment because I've been in prison. My crime is nothing compared to these people. Anyway, no. she was running around the wing, laughing, joking, flirting with TJ, going in. Like, and we didn't know who she was at first because like, she actually lived on another wing, but she had, she was what we call a red coat, a listener. Fran was a listener um, who's been on before. So what they do is they come around and they, they talk to people who like need to talk to someone. But she wouldn't come in there to do that. She was coming there to mess about with TJ, which we wouldn't have cared about. Until we found out who she was, someone did a Google. Someone got on the phone and got someone to Google her, and we found out that it was her. So me and a few other girls, like, and I'm glad it didn't happen because I wouldn't have got out and tag. We were really thinking of like getting her to come, coming, tricking her into the cell and beating her up because we were so angry. She had no remorse and she only got eight years. Eight years. She won't even do all that. She'll do about five. She's running around laughing. She had a wig. She had makeup. Like, how's the justice in that? Because did the baby die? Yeah, baby died. Found maggots. It was maggots in its nappy, everything. It was awful. I will do an episode on that, but things like that really yeah. bother me. Right? So, yeah, so we were really thinking of, like, roughing her up, like, because we just felt like there was no justice. If she'd had a really long sentence and she was humble in there, but she wasn't, she was acting like the big I am, running around flirting. Look, she didn't have no remorse. It wasn't even that long ago. It wasn't like it was 20 years ago or something or 10 years ago. And like there was anyway. So we got annoyed about it. And word got back to to TJ and TJ obviously was seeing her. So I'm downstairs and he's called me in the laundry room, right? And he's a lot bigger than me. He's been on testosterone. He's been doing the weights and everything. He's a lot. He's like a man. He's a man. And um, he goes to me. You did with she everyone called her V. He goes, V's very well protected, you know. And I went, What are you talking about? He goes, If you think you're gonna go and beat her up, just just remember she's very well protected. And I won't I'll let you off this time, he goes, right? Now I had but not because I <laughs> I haven't been in there that long and I still had these ridiculous and I mean ridiculously long nails. Some of them had been ripped off in the fight with the police, but I still because the nail clippers in prison, you they were just not thick enough to cut them off. You could, but it just took ages and ages and ages. And I hadn't bothered to sort it out properly yet. So I still had a few of them on. So I thought, right, if I fight right now, I'm going to get my real nails are going to come off as well. And that's going to hurt. So I went up, I walked up the, the stairs. So, so you, I was at the bottom of the wing. I've walked up to all the girls that are sitting on the chairs. And I'm like, who's got some nail clippers, like some decent ones? So some one of the girls has put them out, and I'm standing there, like, fuming, cutting my nails off. So they were like, what's, what's the matter? And I was like, just wait, just wait. Because uh, I, I do not like men trying to intimidate me. But yeah, I'm chopping my nails off, and the girls knew something was up, because you could see that I, I was 
getting in a race. So, like, being threatened by a man triggers me because of all the things that happened in my past, going back from young. So, he started to walk up the stairs, and I've just let rip. And I'm like, coming my cell was right there. I was like, get in my cell now. Get in my cell now. I was like, you're going to try and intimidate me. I was like, I don't care how big you are. And I was like, the last man that, that bullied me, I put a bottle over their head. Like, I was going wild. I was literally going mental. And um, he wouldn't come in my cell. Now, he, I didn't know this. He was still on trial. So I doubt very much that he, well, I thought he didn't come and fight me because he didn't want to get in trouble more because he wanted his trial to go smooth. But i tell you what Fran said after I've told the story. So he wouldn't come in. So I've lunged towards him. The girls are all, all the girls on my side, because everyone's sick to death of him at this point. So they're all like grabbing me and pulling me back and trying to push me down, like try and get me sit in the chair. And I'm going mad. Like I'm so angry, spits flying out my mouth. Like, I'm raging because I was ready to fight. So my adrenaline had, like I'd had a massive adrenaline hit because I was ready to fight. I thought it was we were going to fight. Like, that's how my body had got, you know, prepared. I prepared for it, but it didn't happen. So now I've got all this adrenaline, and I, and I've, it needs to be released. So I'm, I'm in this chair, and they're all surrounding me, and I'm going bloody wild, like, because I can't calm down very easily. Like, when I get angry, it, you know, it took me a whole day to calm down from that. I was still so angry. So he's ran into his cell. All the guards have heard like they've all come running up the stairs and everyone's getting banged up so they banged us all up and as that as um the screws locking me in the cell i said he's not running the swing anymore and i wasn't saying like i'm running the wing because that ain't what that's not what i meant what i meant was he's not going to get away with running the wing anymore he's not going to get away with picking on people because like i'm going to fight like I, I don't care i've had enough like there's only so much i'll take and he and he was he just he, he did a nod at me and then it, it, they wouldn't even let us out to get our food. They'd let us, well, they'd let two or three of us out to get our food and we'd just take it to our cell and they'd lock us in and they'd let the next lot out because they they were, I think they thought, well, there's going to be a big fight if we let them out because they knew everyone was pissed off of him at this point. So I, me and my mate are listening because he was like, he wasn't the cell next to us, he was the one after. So me because in prison, you, you listen, you, you get bored. So we're listening for the thing and we can hear him going, because they're letting him after dinner. He goes, well, she's not out there, is she? She she's banged up, isn't she? And they were like, yeah. He was like, good, because she's a like a wild bloody animal, right? So he's gone down and got his dinner. <laughs> he's gone back to his cell. Next minute, we heard, right, TJ, pack your stuff. And he was like, what, what? And he, they were like, pack your stuff. You, you, we're moving you. You can't stay on here, right? So he's packing all his things. He's in right. He's not happy. Um. Anyway, so it, he he was causing such a fun. Like this is the thing, right? Anybody else would be told, leave your mattress. There's a mattress where you're going. But with him, they let him get away with it. He got to take this particular mattress. Like he was making that. It's he was dragging the whole process of him moving out. Like he was using any excuse to make it take longer. Like it was all about control with him. Anyway, so as he's got his final stuff and he's going out, everyone started banging on the doors like, hey, you know, like like good riddance sort of thing anyway so then the next day we find out that verdi has been shipped out she's been moved because he's tj's gone and told them that we know who she is and they've moved her they've moved her to downview 
Yeah. So that was a crazy event. <laughs> Isn't it funny how people like that are protected? Yeah. It's, I think it's wrong and there's a privilege wing and I don't think they should be allowed on the privilege wing I think the privilege wing should Absolutely be people who are trying to um, do better trying to right their wrongs but people who have done crimes like that I don't think why should they get a shower and a TV room and all the extra luxuries and then it makes some because some, some women are quite strong minded and they can resist not, not attacking them and they can go over there and they can have privileges too. But me personally, even if I was in there for like 20 years, I couldn't go on there. I'd get, I, and there's so many of them in there. They'd probably attack me if I attacked one of them. So I just couldn't go. I wouldn't be able to be on there. I, I'd rather not have a shower with me. But there are obviously some people like can control themselves a bit more and they can live, they're not friends with them, but they just have to be around them. They just keep their distance from them. They don't. They're disgusted by them. But obviously, they want. They if they've got long sentences and they want to live more comfortable, obviously they're going to want to go on there. Like they're going to want to have the privileges. Why should they not have the privileges? And they and they have them. Do you know what I mean? So I understand why girls go on there. But yeah, so there's mental. Oh, anything only... to do with crimes against kids, I, I can't stand. But so during this stint, were, were there any other crazy stories you wanted to talk about? Got you thinking. Yeah. Um, Before we go to. So many things happened. There were fights and arguments and the bit. What, the what were the, like, what was the worst fight you seen in there? I didn't see it, but we heard it. It happened on another wing. Normally, I'll tell you what, in Bronzeville, though, the, the screws are really quick to get there, so they break things up quick. But what uh, one thing, I norm, a lot of it was a verbal. The majority of it was verbal. And, and the, and the um, tension, the build-up to it, the anxiety of a fight about to start was more bright, like more adrenaline would be pumping than the actual event. Because when they'd let you out and someone was, you knew something was going to happen, like the atmosphere changed. It was so weird. It's like it, it felt different. Like you could tell something was going to happen. Um, most of the arguments and fights were over things like Owen vapes. Vapes were just like gold in there. Um, I started a protest. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about you starting a protest. Go okay, on. so... Yeah, with the fight, with the fights and that, there were little fights. There wasn't no the main, the only one that I really saw that was the one I was involved in. Really, the others were kind of I'd heard them on other wings that, but they were so quick to get there and split things up. Nothing really got, no one really got too damaged, or at least not whilst I was there, not that I saw. Anyway, so they messed my vape, they messed my canteen up. Right, I'd ordered some vapes, but you're only allowed to order a certain amount. And because I'd come in and been given a set of vapes, they messed my order up and refused to give me my vapes because they said I'd already had them, but I hadn't, they'd been given to me when I came in. And I didn't have my vapes, right? And in there, if you smoke and you, you, all you've got is them vapes, they mean so much to you. And I kept asking, like, I was pleading with them. I was like, please kept going and they're all that it's not their fault they're overworked 
Like they've got a million things going on. The last thing they need to be doing is sorting out someone's vapes. But I was getting like frustrated at this point. And I said, I've been asking all week because I was having to borrow like off my mates. Um, but thing is with me, I always gave things back and I only borrowed off people I could trust because that's a whole other thing when people owe stuff. But uh, anyway, so what was I saying? Um, oh, God, my mind's gone blank. You're starting a protest. Oh, that was it, yeah. So I said to one of them, I said, look, you've got till the end of the day, but if I haven't got my vapes by bang up, there's going to be problems and I think they thought yeah right all right then so I've got about eight girls <laughs> got to bang up they haven't got my vapes so I, I was like none of us are going in ourselves till you got my vapes so one of them put the radio on everyone was twerking and like just absolutely like and, the, and then they, then they got the screws from the other wings like come over and then we had loads of them and they were trying to talk us down I was like I was like, they can go in their cell, but I'm not going in my cell because you mess me about. All I want is my vape. I said, I do what I'm told. I barely cause any problems. All I want is what I'm owed. And you haven't done it. And I've been fobbed off all week and I've had enough. I'm not going in my cell. I'm not. I was like, you're going to have to bend me up. You're going to have to bend me up right now. And I, like, and, and, and I think they were like a bit shocked because I was normally quite, I was quite, like, I never really caused problems with them that much. So in the end, we all got a nick in. A nick in is where you get arrested inside prison. So you get can actually get arrested for something whilst you're in prison. A lot of people don't know that. And what we call it is a nick in. So I we all got nick ins. I got my vape though. I got my vape, <laughs> but, they, but they gave it to me on the slide. They went, don't don't tell anyone. Here you are, because they said because they didn't want the others to know because then they'd do a protest if they wanted something. So I went in myself. And I took, I got the nick in, I went down and, and what what we used to do is we'd keep saying, well, I want to speak to legal advice. So they kept prolonging the nick in, they'd have to post like, like um, it would delay it and then delay it. And after a certain amount of time, you can't be in trouble for it anymore. It, but I wouldn't have even got that much, but they can, if you get a nick in, they can take canteen, they can take your TV, they can take, but depends on what you've done, how serious it is. Mine wasn't that serious. It's only half an hour. Oh, it's half an hour. They they had to stay a little bit longer after work. No one was injured or anything, but I was just annoyed. Um, and there was this. I hated bullies, right? And there was this uh, woman. She was a Romanian woman. I'm not saying all Romanians bad. I'm just describing the scene and the people involved. So a Romanian lady, and she had a double cell, but she didn't want no one in her cell. She wanted a double cell all to herself because they're bigger. Every time they put someone in there, she'd bully them till they were in tears and they would end up having to move. And then they'd put the next one in, she'd do it. Again. And now I'd had nothing because I don't like people bullying people. And they put this poor woman in with her who was extremely large. There's no way she could climb onto that bunk because the ladders are straight like that, flat, and she just couldn't have got up there. They took her bloody hearing aid battery. This woman was deaf, right? So she can't hear. She's been chucked in prison and she could talk, but she couldn't hear because she used a hearing aid. So she kind of managed to say to the girls that it was to do with her attacking a domestic abuser, basically, her fighting back. And she, I don't know what she had done, but she had ended up in there. And they took a hearing aid. This woman wouldn't let this lady have the subtitles on. How? Because she didn't want her in there. So she was trying to bully her out. She wouldn't, she wouldn't let her go on the top bunk. She was making her sleep on the floor. 
So I said to them, and there was this screw, right? And she had a mullet, right? Short woman with like a really orange, looked like she'd used loads of baked tan, like David Dickinson, that sort of colour skin. And she had Steve Irwin. You remember Steve Irwin, the Australian yeah, he, guy? He, he died. He had that, uh, he had, yeah. Oh, bless him. He was great. She had a haircut like that, right? And she was, and I said, please get that lady out of there. I was like, you can't, you can't leave there. And she started, this woman hated me. She was so rude to me. And I, and I said to her one day, because hey, this is a slightly different story. I'll tell you that in a sec. Anyway, I get, I go off on a tandem, right? I said, to, and she goes, we can't move her. And she said some horrible stuff to me. And she goes, we've got nowhere to put her. I said, okay. I said, put her in my, with my cellmate, because my cellmate's nice. And put me in with her. And we'll see who's watching TV then. They wouldn't do it, obviously. I was, I, I would have gone in there. I, I would have done exactly what she did to that woman. I would have done it to her. I would have sat there with the TV off all night if I had to, just, just to annoy her. Because I, I hate people. when she bullied like two other women out of that cell, lied to everyone, made everyone think that they were the one in the wrong. And then like the third time, I'm thinking, hmm. Anyway, so that happened. But yeah, that that woman with the uh, mullet, she. I had a lump come up and I had to have an examination and it was that really, it was really hot. It was that really hot summer. So I was going to be examined somewhere like down there and I wanted to get in the shower first and she'd let everyone else, but left me locked in and she knew, and I'd explained to her, I need to get in the shower. I don't want to be examined. It's really hot. I haven't had a shower today. She refused. In the end, she opened the cell door and I've just barged her out of the way. I have my stuff ready. I've barged her out of the way and I've just gone and got in the shower. And I said to her, I said, I said, you need to watch out because I'm going to turn everyone on this wing against you. You're not careful. But she carried on being not, not very nice to me. And in the end, everyone started giving her a hard time. Everyone started calling her mullet. No, everyone, no one called her miss. Everyone called her mullet. And I know like, like, it's horrible, but she was like picking, trying to pick on me. And I was like, right, well, everyone's calling them. Everyone's calling you mullet now. And I bet to this day, it's gone on. Like, the new lot would have come in with a hairdo, and the next lot, she probably had to grow her hair out. I know I'm horrible, so my hair is a bit, like, crazy. And I, But it's because she was so nasty to me. And this one time, like, she, what did she do? She let everyone out to get their meds, even though I was supposed to be cute, but she wouldn't let me out. So I stood, when I did get out, there was, like, a fire thing. So I stood there, and I kept breathing the vape into the fire alarm and all the alarms started going up and all the screws started running to the wrong wing and then running to the next wing and I, me and my baby were just standing there laughing <laughs> it, it yeah, does so, sound like you you kind of ruled the jail no 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 not at all i really didn't i didn't i had i was in with there's clicks in there i was not no i wasn't no big shot nothing like that not i'm not saying that at all but I stood up, I did stand up for people, I stood up for myself, and I had a friends group in there that would, would back me, and that I would back, do you know what I mean, it was a mutual thing, I wasn't like Loyalty. running, yeah, I wasn't, it wasn't like that, I wasn't like a, sh a shop caller or anything, it was nothing like that, there was much bigger and tougher people in there than me, please, like, believe me, in fact, if I'd had a fight with TJ, I would have probably come off worse, let's put it that way, but I just, I, I stood up for myself, and I, and I didn't like this woman, and she wasn't, she was rude to other people as well. And I was like, right, well, let's just all start calling her that. Then she's going to disrespect us. We'll disrespect her. But the ones that were decent and respectful to me, I was really respectful 
respectful to them. If they ask me to do something, I'll do it. Like they'll be like, you know, it's time to bang up. I'm straight, like doing straight away going in there. It was like mutual respect, you know, but some of them, their job's worse. And yeah, so that's what happened. What are the women like who who do rule the jail? There isn't really any. You've got your cliques. Like, there is... You know, at school, you've got the, the ones that are kind of just, like, on hang around on their own. Like, they, you know, a little bit of a loner. You've yeah, got you've got the, the, the loners, the populars, the cla class clowns. You've got, yeah, you've got, like, the... Yeah, and you've got them... So, I was a bit of a clown. Like, I'd have a laugh. I'd just, you think, like, oh, my God. Right, so I put weight on it. <laughs> I put weight on it in prison. And I ordered some knickers. Oh, my God. They were, they were huge, right? And they were floral. And they were the work. They looked like pound land underwear, right? So, as a joke, I put them I put them on. And I, like, come out and I strutted across the wing of them on. And everyone was laughing. They were flew massive. They come right up to my stomach. Yeah, so like I, I, I did try and make it like it, that, don't get me wrong, there were some horrible times in there. Like when when people were falling out and that, it, the, it's so the emotions inside are so intense because you, you can't leave and it's unpredictable. And you, some people are in there for like I was in there with murderers, like joking aside, there was people in there that would be like kill people. So it's not, it's not, I'm making it sound like it's all fun. I'm just remembering the good bits because I suppose, I don't know, I trust, can't maybe putting things out of my head, but there was like horrible, it wasn't always nice. There was times when, yeah, there was horrible times as well. Okay, are we able to talk about now. a few of them? Well, there was just, so like when everyone would fall out, it would be like such a bad atmosphere. Like our group of friends didn't want to even like go and sit up on the landing because of the other girls. So like, it was just like the whole wing would just divide itself. And it's just the constant feeling of unknown of what, who, when the fight's going to happen, if a fight's going to happen, like it's, con it's just the unknown when there's like loads of, and when the arguments, like they would go on and on and on, and it would be and it would be over like nothing. It would be over. So I'm not going to say anything. There's a couple of girls seeing each other, and one of them told another girl something. She's gone and repeated it to someone else, and it's got back to that the other girl. Then that girl's angry for the girlfriend for saying that in the first place. It's caused a massive argument. The whole wing is dividing up because we were in these little cliques, and now all the cliques are all taking sides and. People are getting called into people's cells. And then people were like really scared and crying. And it's just girl, it's women, commotion. Like men, they'll just have a fight, it's over. But I think it's worse if there's if if it's carries on and on and on and on. The build up to it is worse than the than anyone actually fighting. And there was I saw a lot of self-harm in there. What like? Yeah. Yeah, was there many people trying to, like, women trying to take their lives? There was one lady who TJ was bullying, actually, and I'm not saying this is the reason she did it. She tied a bed sheet that I think, as well, she had a broken shoulder before she went in, and they took her off most of her pain meds. She was in agony. 
and she they weren't listening to her and the thing is in there unless you do something drastic they won't listen that was and another thing they hadn't given her they wouldn't give her a vapes and it sounds ridiculous on the outside but when you're in there that's all you've got i was grateful when i first went in she got nothing i was grateful for a little pack of cheap coffee like i remember someone giving me a cup and i'm like oh my god thank you so much like everything is magnified in there it's not like it is on the outside it's a it's like a whole other world and so she's getting really distressed and she's tied this thing around the bars on the top of the wings we don't have nets in well we didn't have nets in bronzefield because it's only there's ground floor and then there's up the stairs and that's it there's not like you know men sometimes they go up a few levels it was none of that so there was no nets um she tied this bed sheet around the railings and she put it around a thing and she was climbing over and the guards had to like they were wrestling her and trying to cut it and it was yeah it was horrible wasn't it? and then there was i found oh god yeah I've got loads of stories of bad things actually. It's like I block them out my head and then all of a sudden one thing will make me remember all the others. Triggers, yeah. So, and I've, I've talked about this on my channel. So, some people who have listened on my channel are probably going to get bored, but you know, it's what it is. <laughs> so, there's this girl called Paris. <sighs> she was young, bless her. She was like 19, I told her, keep your mouth shut, stop, stop talking about people, stop it, like she would not listen, stop doing it, and there's this other girl called Shakia, and she'd sit there running her mouth, like talking about this person, that person, and they were at work, they were doing their little jobs, and their prison jobs, and they'd come back, obviously someone's going to go and tell them what they've been saying, and then a whole argument would erupt, Paris would get taken into a cell, You'd hear screaming, shouting, banging. She didn't get hit, but she nearly got dragged in the cell and beaten up because she just wouldn't stop. And me and Shakira, when she was doing it, like jabbering on, me and Shakira would just give each other that look, like, like when's she going to learn? In the end, she had to get taken off. But before she got, before that happened, she got a new cellmate. She was in a double, and she'd fallen out with the girl that was in her cell, sharing her cell with her is Shannon. Now, Shannon, once I got out, and I got on with her, she seemed like quite a sweet girl. She was quite manipulated by a partner, and they done her for being a honey trap, and she got 30 years. She was, like, in her early 20s. So, yeah, that's a whole other story. Anyway, so Shannon had fell out of Paris because Paris kept running her mouth about Shannon. So Shannon was like, I can't be in a cell with anyone. I'm going to beat her up. Get me out. I'm a prisoner, get me out of there. <laughs> so they've like literally moved her into another cell. So Paris has then got this new cellmate, very quiet girl. Her name is Emily. Um, she really seemed to like want to interact with everyone. So she kind of just kept herself to herself. Right. So it's coming up to bang up, and Paris has come out of the cell white as a sheet, <laughs> like this, like shaking like pure panic and we're like what 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 and she's like she's dead 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 like that like absolute like distress i've never seen anyone in such a panic in my life so me and shannon have ran into the cell we've screamed for the screw the screw was a new hadn't been there he's only just got his keys so like when they first get on they have to have someone following around he'd, he'd only been a week like he was new so he's come running up she's like unconscious and he instead of calling code blue on the on the 
walkie-talkie, he's panicked and ran off. What he should have done is called on the thing, checked her pulse because she might have needed to be resuscitated. So me and Shannon are like, what the hell is going on? So we put her on the floor because we're thinking, no, sorry, she was still in the chair. We're checking her pulse. The um, the screws have all come running in, like which she still had a pulse at this point. Meanwhile, then me once they the, all the staff and that had got to Emily, me and Shannon obviously got out of the way. They were screaming at us to go back in ourselves, but me and Shannon refused because we're trying to help Paris, who is now having a full blown panic attack. When you have a panic attack and you're breathing too much, your body's getting too much oxygen in the blood, and it causes your hands to like seize up. She didn't know anything about this. I I knew about this stuff because years and years ago I was a HCA, so I knew I knew a little bit of stuff about that. Um, so I, I mean, Shannon were like, "Calm down, take deep breaths. It's normal. Your hands will go." Because she was panicking more because she then thought she was going to die because her hands were seizing up, and she, she was on the verge of passing out. Like that's how much of a panic attack she was having. So we're trying to calm down, and then one of the screws just started shouting at us after she apologized because if it wasn't for us she would have been on the floor collapse and someone would have had to take the attention off away from emily to help her when do you know what i mean anyway so we've all then they've like paris has calmed down enough they've i don't know where they put her i think they put her in someone else's cell for a bit um emily's been pulled out of the cell at this point and laid on the uh someone drags a mat and they put her on this mat and at this point I think the heart had stopped because we're all locked up and then we've seen them come with the defibrillators because we could see out where they shot our hatches but we could see out a tiny crack in the side of the door thank god she survived oh thank god, thank god I thought I did. thought you were going to go down a completely no, different road no, then no. and she I was survived, thank god but it was it it was very horrible and I actually that actually that's another time I cried because I thought because she was outside our cell door and I thought that's it I me and my cellmate got upset because we thought she, she we just found this girl and like she, she, we they said it was a seizure but I'm not so sure because she was still sitting in the chair unconscious like that like if it was a seizure I would have thought she'd have gone to the flight like, seized and gone to the floor because I've had fits myself so I don't know what really happened but I do know a lot of girls were having fits and stuff because of the heat because of the extreme heat but she might have taken something because people would stick pills up here the guards check your ma the screws and that they check your mouth you go out they don't look up here and then girls use trade vapes for medications people save medications up and they'll put get some from the outside to put money on their um on the pod which is where they can buy canteen oh i could go on forever with stories but yeah there, there was some horrible horrible things it wasn't like all jolly and that like there was some funny things that happened but sometimes it was really really unbearable and you can't get away from it so there was a lady on there called mandy and i can say first names because you know, as long as I don't say surnames, no one's going to know who I'm talking about. Anyway, so Mandy was there. This is the first time I went in, so the very first time. But I forgot about it, right? So when I first got in there, there was a girl called Mandy, and she was telling me that literally about two two months, I can't remember, around that, before I come in, 
there was a lady that was acting strange, like, and they kept saying to Scrooge, like, she's not well, she needs help. And they kept going, oh, she, no, there's nothing we can do. Like, oh, she's all right. She's always like that. And then Mandy's sitting at, cause, like I've said before, the little chairs at the top of the landing where everyone sits. She's sitting there and this girl's picked, because you have sometimes like, you have these plastic chairs that come out yourself. She's sitting there walking with it. She's come up the stairs and started walking, walking with this chair. She watched her from the other side of the thing, thinking that's weird. And then she's put it in front of the bars. She got on it and jumped off. But we've got no net. And it's only one, it's like one floor, but it's concrete. And she's landed on her head. And it, she... If you're looking for a gift, my new book, Sit Downs with Gangsters, is available worldwide on Amazon. We've interviewed over a thousand people now, and we selected 10 of the hardest hitting stories to go in this book. Each chapter features the story of one of our podcast guests. Those stories are Shane Taylor, Knife Maniac's Redemption, John Elite, Mafia Hitman for the Gambino Crime Family, Joey Barnett, 35 years in UK prison, Ian Blink MacDonald, £6 million bank robber, Chet Sandu, Asian smuggler in Spanish Supermax, John Lawson, the hit team commander, David Macmillan, international smuggler's tie death row prison escape, John Abbott, San Quentin prison shootout and escape, Michael Francis, Colombo crime family capo portrayed in Goodfellas. And Wildman, English enforcer in Arizona prison. Link in description box on YouTube, available worldwide on Amazon. Also, my next book, Untouchable Jimmy Savile, is getting published in December 2023. So check that out as well. It will be available worldwide on Amazon. Thank you for listening. Cheers. He survived... But it could have probably been nicer if she didn't because she's completely, like, uh, I don't know, how, how do you describe it without saying it in a horrible way? Like in a vegeted state or whatever, how you say it. Um, and it really, really upset Mandy. Like, to, she's traumatised from this. She said she'll never forget the sound of her hitting the floor and she got no counselling or support for what she'd witnessed and what upset the girls is they kept warning the staff like something's wrong and they kept fobbing it off and there was a case there was a girl with schizophrenia and I and this is different different person um same wing c wing first time went in like I said to screw I said there's something she's actually starting to act strange like something's not right they kept saying, oh, no, she's always like that. I was like, no, we live with her. Like, she's acting strange. Kept, no, no, no. And then she completely lost the plot. And she started saying, oh, I can't even say, I can't even repeat the things she was saying. But she, what, some, one of the things she, me and my friend were sitting there out in the yard on the little grass. We were picking daisies. And she's come over and she started saying things like, Oh, oh, I've got someone in my room trapped in a suitcase because they stuck a pickaxe, a pickaxe up my and killed my uh, baby. And like she was completely coming out with. She went up to Gemma Mitchell and started screaming in Gemma Mitchell's face. You know the suitcase, screaming in her face. What was it? She, she was accusing her of some heinous thing. 
and she just did she did the same face that she did when she got arrested it's like that right when if anyone watches the video of when she gets arrested she does that like weird face right if anyone's seen it you'll know exactly what she's done that face and she just carried on walking like trying to walk away from her but this girl sarah was just and, and why did they let her get to that point they'd helped her before and you know what they did they just stuck her in her cell and she was just staring there at the wall like that we kept looking in the hatch to see if she's right she's just like that so many sad things about mental health in there but that was that was a whole other thing but yeah there, there's a lot of horrible things that would happen in there it's, it wasn't it wasn't fun we'd just try and make the best of what we had so I, I i'm a joke i i will joke to try and like if i'm feeling depressed about something unless i'm because i've got bipolar if i get really unwell i can't do anything i'll just lay there and i'll stare at the wall that's how i like it and i can't eat or anything but i'm on medication so if i feel a bit down like not major depression but i'm feeling a bit low i will mess about and joke to try and make myself not feel like that if that makes sense so that's what i would do in prison is be a joker and i think fran was a bit bit the same like we try and make the best of what you got sort of thing but i don't and want anyone to, to think fran. it easy yeah, oh, shout yeah. out to Fran. I'll put all her, her Fran Vitor, one of our great podcast guests. So I'll put all her links in the description box below this video and the link for her podcast. But no, yeah, she's so, brilliant. She's really, really she lovely. Is. So what would you say is your most valuable lesson that you learnt while you were inside? That is a really good question. Right. So what was the turning point for me? That's that is a really good question, right? So that when I went into prison, my glass was half empty. I felt and I had and I had had a shit time. I'd had a horrible time, but I felt so sorry for myself. I felt like I had nothing left in the world. I had my kids were still alive. Like in my mind, yeah, I felt like that that they had lost and that was it. But in reality, they were still healthy. I was so I couldn't see it from that angle at this point. I felt like I had nothing when I went to prison. I thought I I, I was. Um, feeling like I wanted to unalive myself, tempting it on a regular basis. Obviously, I wasn't very good at it, thank God. But I literally felt like I've got nothing. And then when I went in prison and I've seen some of the girls in there who really had nothing, like they'd tell me their stories and I'd think they had no mum no family at all their kids have been adopted they weren't seeing them again like ever they'd that i mean that they they were so addicted to drugs all they were talking about is when they got out and they could get their next hit and some of them didn't even have their teeth like they had nothing they had nowhere to go when they got out they had nothing and that's when i thought what am i doing i thought what am i doing well, I've got things to, I can I can sort this out, and that, and then them changing my medication and me having to take my medication on time, me being taken away from alcohol and away from my abuser. My mindset started to change, and I had this dream right, and now I've I I believe in Jesus. Everyone's entitled to their own religion. Sorry, my dog is making a right ruckus in the kitchen. <laughs> what she's doing <laughs> scratching right so anyway i i believe in Jesus. there's so many times in my life that i could have died and i've i've prayed like please 
like help me or whatever and then like miracles have happened and I've got out of seriously dangerous situations or things like that so I was like feeling like really and it was before I had this epiphany of actually I've got a lot I went to bed one night feeling sorry for myself and I had this dream and you know some people might think it's just a dream but it meant something to me I dreamt an angel held my hand and took me up to like heaven's gates and I just had this feeling that everything was going to be all right this weird feel it felt like I'd taken some sort of drug this weird feeling of just joy and peace and then I woke up and because it was a summer it was really light early and there was a rainbow outside and I thought that dream meant something and then that's shortly after that that's when I started to look at my situation different and then and think what am I doing like I can sort this out before it's too late because that is exactly how I would have ended up with nothing and no one if I'd carried on or worse I wouldn't be here so yeah that so that answers that <laughs> that was my long <laughs> and that was a lovely answer I loved it so now so what was life like when you got released obviously you come out you get 50 pounds at the gates told to bugger off and enjoy life yeah um so I got back and for a while I was staying at my friends uh, in the end I found somewhere I luckily got somewhere um I have my nan bless her heart she's she's helped me out a lot and helped me get somewhere to stay because so, I didn't want because the temporary accommodation and that that is it's, you're around the stuff you're trying to get away from and that is why a lot of women relapse when they come out of prison or re-offend they go into these places that are full of other people that have the same problems. And in the end, me and my best friend had to separate because, and she's sober now and I'm sober, but if we'd stayed together, because we were together, when I say together, we were together all the time. We would have still probably been drinking. Um, what was your question? Sorry, I've just gone off topic. So what was your plans after being released? Oh, but yeah, you are you are still on topic there. You, you're doing all right. I was saying, friends, I eventually got somewhere to stay. And then my daughter, who was 14 at the time, came to mine and said to, to everyone, I'm not leaving. I'm staying here. You can't make me leave. And she'd not been taken away by a court order or anything. Only one of my children was. Um, anyway, so the social worker said, right we'll give you a chance and I didn't touch a drink again or a drug I was like that's it I've got my chance the reason I only started drinking was because they got taken and I couldn't cope and then the horrible thing that happened in rehab and the abuse all of it together couldn't couldn't cope so I started drinking as soon as she came back I, I felt like I had hope again and then I was like oh my god maybe that dream did mean something maybe it was like a way of like god or someone telling me like like hold on it's going to be all right so she came back and slowly but surely I've been start trying to do the house, trying to get it like nicer, getting bits and pieces. It's not like posh and lovely, but it, it's cozy. It's nice. Got my son then started to stay at holidays and weekends. Um, he lives with his dad, but he comes to stay. Um, and the social worker signing me off, doesn't need to be involved anymore. And my, my little boy that's in foster care, 
they are talking about eventually him coming back to me so obviously i have to go to court but like so my other my kids other social workers like we don't need to be involved so they've already and they've said it to my child as well so they weren't actually considering doing it they wouldn't say it to a child and give them false hope um i know i'm not gonna relapse i never get the urge to do anything because every time it, it just reminds me of misery i'm never going there again and i'm not have you ever been tempted no. no no not from that moment my daughter come back and me and my best friend separated i not have one thought of doing it and I, I know there's nice people out there, but I won't have a relationship again because I'm too damaged and I'm too scared of putting my happiness in someone else's hands and it going wrong. I'm happy. I've got my dog. I've got. Oh, that's another thing. I've got my dog. I spent the last month, last nine months training and training her. Um, so I've got my dog. I've got my kids. I've got my home that I'm making nice. Everything's getting better and better and better. I've got. I just have my uh, i'm just about to start a new job um i can't really talk about it it's to do with being a key worker i've been told like i'm not allowed to talk about it on here um so i'm doing that i'm doing my youtube and i think this is probably the happiest i've ever been in my life i just as soon as i've got by and i see my my other my youngest live with his dad now he went to live with his dad when he was quite young so i'm not ever going to try and steal him from his comfort and what he knows but i see him on a regular basis now so everything is falling into place and this is genuinely the happiest i've ever been in my life and i just want to thank you and sean and um and fran and everybody else who's been supportive like i'm and i'm i'm not condoning the things i've done like i know i've done wrong and i'm trying to put things right but i'm not a bad person i've just made bad decisions if that makes and i sense. guess that leads me to my last question is if you could give a message to someone who might be going through similar things to what you went through right now what would you say to them i have actually had four friends who have or and are some are going through domestic violence and some have been and just just got out of it that i managed to like convince to leave leave if you're being abused leave they will because you will lose your children or your kids could get hurt in the situation you could end up killed and if you don't report and it's so hard because it's there's a trauma bond in that but just all i can say is leave because if you get to the point of breaking point and you lash out you're in prison if they if it gets so bad that they take it one step too far and they don't let go when they're strangling you you've gone like you just you have to get out and i and no matter how much it hurts when you leave it's temporary you're not going to be stuck with that feeling forever but i tell you what losing your partner is nothing compared to the feeling of losing your kids and if you've got kids and you're staying with someone you, and you lose your partner, your love for them will fade, but your love for your kids will never fade. And I'll tell you what, if you have, if you don't get out and you take, they take your kids, you are really going to know what pain really feels like. So sorry, there's one thing I can say is just get out before it's too late. Tell someone. I don't trust the police, but you've got to tell them because if something happens, you've got. They're the only people that, are hopefully, that they would help you and that i have had friends and they have helped them 
so like not all police are bad right i've had bad experiences but please please whatever you do just get out of it that's that's the only thing i can say <laughs> oh you got me quite emotional there bless you but powerful words corinne and honestly it's been an absolute pleasure going through this with you telling your story i think Sorry. the viewers can see what a natural raconteur you are and you just got such a pure heart it's, I can't well, thank you I enough. Made, I, I do feel guilty for things. I know I'm not. I've made bad decisions. And I've got to try and let that go because I can't keep beating myself up about all the mistakes I make. Because I can't change them. All I can do is change what I what I'm doing in the future. And I've got a job. My job that I'm hopefully starting is helping people who have been through things I've been through. I can't go into detail about it, but I'm. That's what I want to do. I want to get my message out there, and I want to help. I want to help people. And I've got some exciting. Of opportunities coming up as well we, we, yeah that might be on the horizon we can't mention that on the podcast but yeah yep exciting stuff and you are <laughs> one of my friends and this just made me uh, pop like made me think of it it popped through my mind is she said she has classed herself now i'm going to put you in touch with her she's got her own podcast um she's been for a lot she's turned her life around she's now sober oh, and she said us helping people is we are in the best position instead of these so-called experts because we mm. are a, let me get this right, a lived, experienced expert, she called it. There needs to be a yeah. term. I said, what, like, just call it, you know, a, a Lee for now. And, mm. yeah, a lived, experienced expert. You are someone who's lived these experiences, through these experiences, and you've come out the other side and you're just mm. glowing light, mate. So, well done. Well I've still got friends who ring me really distressed and they're in this situation. It's so sad. Yeah. And I'm not saying it does happen the other way. It does happen the other way around as well. It can happen in same-sex relationships. It can happen with the women being abused. It's not all uh, men being abusive to women. It can go the other way. But whoever's in the situation, just get out. Tell someone. Yeah. Don't don't hide it. It's, no, it's, it's not going to get any better if you just hide it but yeah oh that's my story basically <laughs> well, thank you <laughs> so much again 10, 10, 10 hours of me waffling <laughs> it's been what is it two hours full no two hours today two hours before 240 so nearly five hours <laughs> well done you should write a book <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you know what? If I wasn't dyslexic, I would love to. If I had someone that could help me do it, I would. Uh, yeah. Well, hopefully with this podcast, shout out to any ghostwriters out there. Her links will be in the description <laughs> box below this video. So thanks again, Corinne. And yep, if you like what you see, guys, put it in the comments box below. And thank you for your support. And if you wouldn't mind heading over to Corinne's YouTube channel, which Corinne, remind me, is? Uh, the True Crime Whisperer. So at the True it's Crime tr Whisperer. It's about true, yeah, it's true crime and prison stuff. Like I do like story times and then I do like um, a mini like series. Do you yeah. know, I like a mini documentary on different serial killers and stuff. So, yeah. So get out there and give her a follow for God's sake. <laughs> and so thank you again, Fran. Uh, Fran for tour. I'll put the link to her pod uh, below this video and link to her YouTube channel. So thank you and good night. And... See you again, hopefully, Corinne.
Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're not done yet. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> story. We need to do a regular story time with Corinne. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I've got so many things that have happened in my life. I could go on for hours. Well, I have, but you know, I'm going even longer. But yeah, so no, if you want to pay, so see a part three, put it in the description box below. In the description <laughs> box. Put it in the comment box below. Thank you, guys. Good night. <laughs> Bye.